I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. How many can say this morning that your help comes from the Lord? Amen. All of my help comes from the Lord. Let's give the Lord a praise for Sister Claire being used of the Lord. Praise you, the Lord. One of the reasons why I like to hear Clara sing so much is she doesn't just sing. She ministers. I believe that God's Holy Spirit speaks through her when she sings to encourage hearts. Amen? Ah, we thank God for her and her ministry this morning. Would you say amen? We invite you now, if you would, uh, to turn with us to the book of Luke, the 11th chapter. Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 12. I want to just say a word of thanks to all of you who have been praying and supporting through your prayers, your participation, and your presence. The rehab series. I've been receiving a lot of texts and inboxed emails and Facebooks from people all over the world. Uh, brother in Antigua, uh, others in South Africa, and all other places. Uh, got a text this morning from a young man in Huntsville, Alabama, who said, keep on preaching. He said, chains are being broken down here. Don't stop. Amen. And so uh, we just want to say praise the Lord for all those whose chains are being broken outside of the state of Ohio. <laughs> uh, but wouldn't it be a shame if, if only those outside of Ohio and outside of Cleveland and outside of this church got the blessing and those of us here did not receive it. Amen. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> ain't, ain't no, there's no belt coming right now. No, no whooping coming. We just, I'm just telling you, it's just been a blessing. And um, if you need it, uh, come on and get it. Amen. So we'll be together tonight at 7 o'clock. And then we'll be together tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. So we're looking forward to what God is going to do. Um, Luke 11, verse 1. And I want to read in your hearing with the New International Version of the Bible. And this is the second installment of our series uh, that we are preaching in conjunction with rehab called Pray Church. And the Bible says, one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Verse 3, give us each daily, each day our daily bread. Verse 4, forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. You'll probably notice that this sounds different than what you were taught. That is because Jesus gave this, what we call the Lord's Prayer, on three different occasions. And it sounded differently on each occasion for a reason which we'll share as we get into the message. The Bible says, and he then concluded and said, and lead us not into temptation. Verse 5, then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend. How many of you have friends? And he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me, or the Greek says, really, give me. You can't lend bread. Come on, say amen. Lend me. Three loaves of bread. Because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside that he woke up at midnight answers, don't bother me. The door 
is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Verse eight, Jesus says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, if you have a King James version of the Bible, it says his importunity. We'll break that down in a little while. Yet because, he says he won't give it to him because he's his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, would you just say boldness? He will, and I love this, I love this, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. That's a key verse there. If I were you, I would underline, give him as much as he needs. Verse 9 says, so I say to you, I love the scriptures, ask, these are from the, from the mouth of Jesus, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone, how many everybody? Did it say the perfect people? Amen. Huh? And, and it's important for me to say that. You understand why momentarily. Let's underline the word everyone. For everyone who asks, receives. Let me pause and say this. There is no such thing as unanswered prayer. There is no such thing as answered prayer. If you're taking notes, you write that down. According to the Bible, the word of God says, everyone who asks, receives. There is no such thing as unanswered prayer. There is always an answer. Bible goes on to say, he who seeks, finds. To him, and notice it's intensifying. It goes from asking, and asking, sometimes you get tired of asking, so you got to turn it on up to seeking. And seeking, uh, you, you get worn out by that, but you, you, you're so desperate for a miracle. Then the Bible says you get to a place where you start knocking. And the Bible says, here it is, the door will be opened. I love the word. Let's end it here. Which of you fathers? There we go talking about fathers again. This text is very paternal. You got to read the Bible in context. If your son asks for a fish. Will he give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you, I love this, I love this, I love this. If you then, though you are evil, and he's saying you are. All right? We're just reading the Bible now. I ain't preached yet, so I ain't spinning nothing. Here we go. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father, I love this text, will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? I want to preach the second title, uh, second installment of our subject, Pray Church. The title of our message today is No Shame, No Shame. Let's pray. Father in heaven today, we ask for insight and understanding from your word. It, 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 truthfully, Father, we say we believe. I say I believe. But when I read a text like this, I find every reason not to. We preach, we preach and teach and sing faith. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. When the note escalates and modulates, we shout and raise our hands and declare, yes, tis sweet to trust in Jesus, just to trust him and take him at his word. But now we are challenged to actually take you at your word. Help us to live what we just sang about through this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.
Steps of Christ, page 93, says this. Prayer, this is Ellen White. Prayer is the opening of the heart to God as to a friend. Not that it is necessary in order to make known to God what we are, but in order to enable us to receive him. Prayer does not bring God down to us, but brings us up to him. I want to read it one more time. You normally won't get it to the third time. Three times we'll read it. Prayer is the opening of the heart. Somebody say the heart. The heart to God as to a friend. Not that it is necessary in order to make known to God what we are, but in order to enable us to receive him. Prayer does not bring God down to us, but prayer brings us up to him. One more time. Prayer is the opening of the heart to God as to a... Not that it is necessary in order to make known to God what we are, but in order to enable us to receive him. Prayer does not bring God down to us, but brings us up to him. I love that. And I think that that statement really will help us to understand more fully what prayer is. I have discovered that prayer is a science and a discipline. Everybody does not know how to pray. And there I have discovered, and I used to say in days gone by, that just any, I mean, you know, just however you pray, it doesn't matter. But I'm realizing as I look through the scriptures that there were certain people who had an effectiveness with God where their prayers were answered in some of the most ridiculous and impossible situations. In other words, what I'm saying is, is each person in here can get better at praying. You can become more effective in your prayer life. Just like anything in our Christian experience, you can grow in prayer. Would you just say that with me? Say, I can grow in prayer. One of the things I often hear many of us say, I mean, there, there is, and as we said, just a quick review, there's nobody in here who will say they don't pray. Nobody will say that. Nobody will say they don't pray. As a matter of fact, everybody prays. I mean, from the church to the courthouse, from the courthouse to the jailhouse, from the jailhouse to the outhouse, from the outhouse to the crack house. Everybody prays. Amen. Uh, Everybody prays, but not everybody gets the same thing when they pray. Let's just be honest. It almost seems unfair that some people's prayers are answered and ours are not. Some of us pray for the same things and one gets the blessing and and one does not. And, And I've often asked myself, why is it that some people are just, they just seem to be mighty in prayer. In our churches now, uh, the new thing, well, it's not really new, but it's, it's regaining, it's regaining prominence in the church. We're now in our churches, we have prayer warriors. These are people who are, the Bible actually says there is a spiritual gift called intercession. In other words, there are people that God has spiritually gifted with the ability to be able to connect with him in a way that other people cannot. And the reason why prayer works for some and does not work the same for others is this. And, you know, I just want to do the best I can to be clear is because prayer is paternal. Prayer is paternal. What do you mean by that? You know what the word paternal means, right? The word paternal is another word for father. In other words, prayer, the success and effectiveness of prayer is based on how we relate to God as a father. And so you can imagine why this would be very difficult in 2013, where for many of us, even in here, who grew up with no father, we really don't have any kind of physical example on what it's like to be in relationship with a father. Do you understand what I'm saying, saints? In other words, there are some of us, either we have a father or we don't have a father, but, but because, of the, of the, of the, because of the exceeding sinfulness of sin and the way our world is, 
let's just be honest there. there are, most of us do not know what it's like to have a good father. No, no doubt there are some of us here who grew up in families where we had a father and, and, and it made a difference. Amen. I'm, I am blessed to be able to say today, and, I, and you, one of the things you, you hear Pastor Coatsman when he preaches, I've never heard Pastor Coatsman ever preach a sermon where he did not refer to his father. And I want you to know I met his daddy and everything that he says about his daddy is true. His daddy carries himself in such a way where you'll know that he's the daddy. And I had a father, I had a father, I have a father, I have a father like that. And, and you know, the, the most significant, I love my mother. There is nothing like a, a boy's love for his mother, amen? And y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, mothers spoil their sons and they raise their daughters, you know, that kind of thing. You know, they spoil their boys, let their boys get away with stuff, but they raise their heart on their daughters. But, but there is something, I, I love my mother. I mean, I, you know, I, I got that, that mama's boy thing. My mama come in here right now, sit on the front row, tell me to sit on her lap. I'm 36 years old. I sit down on my mama's lap, you know. You know, my mama kiss all over me. I still love it today. It still makes me feel good. Come on, say amen. Listen, my mama, I mean, to this day, and if, if every man, even the married folk would just admit, sometimes your mama can get you to do things that your own wife can't make you do. Come on, in here, somebody. Some of you, some brothers treat their mothers better than they treat their own wives and children. There's something about a boy's love for his mother. But, but I have grown to realize that, 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 that more damage is done, not when there is an absence of a mother, but more damage is done in society when there's an absence of the father. Stay with me for a minute here. Let's just get deep for a minute. Understand now that when God created Adam and Eve, God did not create Adam and Eve with a mother. God created Adam and Eve only with a single parent father. It was a three, it was a three parent father interaction between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And simply, as we look throughout the Bible, the emphasis that we see all the time is not necessarily an emphasis on a mother, not to detract or to diminish the role of a mother, but in scripture, the example that is always given to us about parenting and about, and about, about love, we get from a father. Psychologists have come to realize now that if you want to determine how someone sees God, then investigate how they relate to their father. Ellen White tells us even further that one gains their understanding of God on their relationship with their father. What I'm saying is, is can you see now why people are so confused about how they view God? Because we live in a society where we lack fathers. Come on, talk to me in here. Especially in our community, in our community, in the African-American community, where more than 75% of our homes are single-parent homes, and the predominant amount of those 75% homes are led and reared by mothers. And so when you start talking about fatherhood, and then, and then in some of the homes where we have a father... The fathers are so busy at work and so involved in sports and so engaged in their hobbies and their motorcycles and in their cars and so engaged maybe in even other women or or slothful or or for whatever the reason they have not embraced the role that God has called them to to reflect who God is. Understand this. We get our identity from fathering. Can I go further? you look in the book of Genesis again, understand now, Adam didn't know he was a man because he had a mama. Because Adam didn't have a mama. Adam only had a father. So understand this now, manhood is not based on the existence of a woman. I don't know that I'm a man because I got a wife. I don't know that I'm a man because I have a daughter. I don't need a woman to tell me that I'm a man or make me feel like I'm a man. I'm a man because I know who I am in my father. The only thing that can make a man is a father, not a woman. The woman can do the best she can. She can pray. She can agonize. She can, she can, she can, she can fast. She can, she can be as strong as she wants to be. But at the end of the day, a boy will look for a father. It's just, it's like a GPS system in him. He intrinsically looks for some man to pour himself into that he might know who he is. That's why boys join gangs and that's why boys get in fights and that's why boys like violence and that's why boys are into aggression simply because the identity of manhood is based on fatherhood. The identity of woman is based on fatherhood. And watch this now. Here's the shift. A woman will not even know what her role is and she can have a mother. 
But in order for her to solidify who she is, she has to have a father. How do we know this? Because Eve knew who she was, not because of Adam. Eve knew who she was because she had a father. She didn't have a mother. She had a father. This, again, does not diminish the role of woman because woman represents the church. But father represents identity and relationship. What am I saying today? That in order for us to be able to approach God effectively and be able to get the blessings of God that God is willing to pour out to us, we've got to recognize the importance of the relationship between a father and their child. The only way I can tell you is this. Fathers love to give. One of the things that uh, I had, a, my great-grandfather was 107 when he died. And one of the things that my great-grandfather was known was just giving. You didn't even have to ask. And he was waiting to give. My grandfather, who was an alcoholic after him, did not catch the vision. And instead of giving, he reversed it and was a taker. Then God favored me with my father. One of the things about my my mother would whip our behinds. But my father had a way of just looking at me that would get me in line. Some of you uh, you grew up in a single parent home. And I've heard I've heard the story told before. We heard it last night. And when a mother has thrown her hands up, she, she says, listen, I'm sending you to your father. <laughs> it, is, it is difficult to understand prayer if you do not understand paternal relationship. So if daddy was absent, if daddy was abusive, if daddy was present but absent, If daddy did not know how to communicate, if daddy did not know how to bless, if daddy did not know how to speak into your life, then I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You naturally, because of your sin condition, will see God as a taker and a damner and a judger instead of a lover. Amen. I hear you. That's plain. Thank you. So when the disciples saw Jesus praying. Now, watch this, guys. They saw him work miracles. And there's not a text in the Bible, Orlando, where the disciples go to Jesus and say, Jesus, teach us how to do miracles. Sister Moton, I mean, Jesus did some stuff. The disciples saw him raise people from the dead. But when, but when, they, when they asked him, the, the secret to his ministry, they, they, they noticed that there was something about his prayer life that was in direct connection with the effectiveness of his ministry. They said, Lord, we've seen you preach and folk get healed off your word. We've seen you cast out devils with the power of your word. But, but we're not asking for you to show us how to do that. There is something about what you do with your father that we've got to have. As a matter of fact, Ellen White says that in that moment, they, 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 Jesus did not even know that they were there because he was praying aloud to his father. There are three things that we learn about the prayer life of Jesus. Number one, Jesus had a time to pray. Number two, Jesus had a place to pray. And Jesus had a way of praying. He had a time to pray. He had a place to pray. And he had a way to pray. The time that he prayed was early in the morning. The place that he prayed was all by himself in the mountains. And the way that he prayed was aloud. The reason why we know Jesus prayed aloud is because we know his prayers. And the only reason why we know his prayers is because somebody heard him pray and they wrote it down. So Ellen White says, while Jesus is praying, he is hollering to his father. He is crying out to his father with great sweat and great tears. He is agonizing with his father and just like on the Mount of Transfiguration they have begun to make a connection that when Jesus and his father get together, something happens after they have conjoined together. Jesus, teach me how to pray. Something happens when you and your daddy get together. 
There is something powerful that is transferred. There's an exchange. There is an anointing that comes, Jesus. I know it's not your preaching. I know it's not just simply that you're a miracle word. It's your prayer. Jesus, would you teach me how to pray? And I, I got to admit to you today that, that in, my, in, my, in, my, in my, my 13 years of ministry now, I thought that it was strategy. I thought it was skill. I thought it was, it was this. I thought it was that. But as I'm getting older and as I'm learning and getting closer to my father, I'm realizing now that the power that I need to get the breakthroughs that I need are based on my relationship with my father in prayer. Lord, teach Myron how to pray. Some of you pray, but you're not praying people. You're talkers. You're gossipers. You're complainers. But we never find Jesus in the scriptures complaining or talking much about anything except what his father said. Oh, Lord, I feel my help today. A case in point. uh, let Let me say this. Do you realize Jesus, when he went to the cross, he did not do it for you? Just for me, just for me, Jesus came and did it just for me. Is that true? If I look in the Garden of Gethsemane, I see Jesus dealing with his father, and he's saying to his father, Father, I'm not going to do this. I can't. I can't, because you know what? I'm seeing the future. I'm seeing them. I don't like what I see. I don't know if I can go through with this. The pain is too great. I'm carrying now the weight of the sins of the world for every generation on my shoulder, and I'm not strong enough to get through this. I'm not, I, I, just, I just can't. But Father, if it is your will, if it be your will, And he knew it was his will. He was just wrestling and struggling with the idea of going to hell and back for you. But he could not get motivated to go through because he looked at you. The only thing that motivated him to go through is when he said to his father, not my will. But thy will. John 12 tells us that Jesus says, he says, I only seek to do those things that please the Father. Understand what I'm saying here. The motivating factor behind everything Jesus did was his daddy. Even your salvation was based on a command that came from his father. And this is why the devil tries so hard to make Jesus look like the lover and to make the father look like the one who wants to come down and get you. But you need to know that the only reason why the plan of salvation went forward is because you got a real daddy. You got a daddy that loves you sitting up high, looking down low, not looking to destroy, but looking to run. And he told Jesus, Jesus is laying there. Jesus doesn't know how he's going to get through. His humanity is getting the best of him. And the father comes and pushes him through. I I don't know. I don't know how how to do this, Lord. You got to help me. There is a psychological problem with our prayer lives because when we go to God, we don't see him as father. As a matter of fact, I've heard some people, I've heard some people when they pray, avoid the use of the term father and cry out only to Jesus because they think that Jesus will hook them up, but the father may not. It's subconscious. It's subconscious. Nobody will ever admit it. But 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 understand what we're saying here. It is the it was the father's plan. Jesus submitted unto his father. The Bible says if he gave up not even his own son, why won't he give to us all things? 
He's not talking about Jesus. He's talking about the Father. The Father is the one that gave up his Son. So the Bible is saying, if the Father gave up his only begotten Son for low-down, good-for-nothing, lying, gossiping, sinning, fornicating sinners, then what he's saying is this. He says, then the Father will be willing to give you everything. My children are learning who God is, not from my wife. They're learning through me. So watch this. They say, Lord, teach us to pray. You've got a connection with him that we don't have. When we pray, nothing happens. When you pray, things happen. Let me say it again. Jesus, when you pray, things happen. When we pray, nothing happens. Oh, we see a few things here and there. But there's a difference. Does anybody know what I'm saying? There's a difference between my prayer life and these biblical characters' prayer lives. They understood something about God that we don't understand. How do I know it? Because we're not living in the overflow that they lived in. I mean, we're talking about, let me give you a few examples. We're talking about Moses. No, let's start with Abraham. Abraham, in Genesis, the 18th chapter, the Bible says that God declared, I'm going to destroy Sodom. That was what he said. Again, if God says something, then I've been taught, if he says it, you don't fuss with it, you don't say nothing about it, you just go ahead and do whatever God said, right? Amen? Come on, we've been taught obedience from the time we were children, amen? Amen. Come on, I know that Abraham was taught the same thing, right? But see, Abraham began to discover a secret about answered prayer with God that many of us have not tapped into. God came to him, sent three messengers and said, look, I'm about to destroy Sodom. Their wickedness has come up before me. He says, and I'm going to kill everybody. And then, then Abraham said, hold on for a second. Hold on, hold on now. I hear what you're saying, but, but let's, let's, let's negotiate here. Now, if there, are, if there are 50 people in that city, um, are you going to still destroy it? Um, for 50, I won't. Oh, oh, wait, what? Did y'all just catch what happened there? God just said to him, I'm going to destroy Sodom. Then Abraham fires back and says, hold on for a second. If it's 50 in there, will you destroy it? God says, if it's 50, I won't. Well, I just want you to notice what's happening here. I know you know the end of the story, but watch what God does. Because he understood God as father, in other words, there was a paternal deepness of relationship there, which is to suggest he was willing to go there with his father. He knew that his father had supply, had the power, had the ability, had the wherewithal to do whatever. He knew that God even had a way out of no way, even based on what he said. He had 5,000 solutions to the problem. He knew that. And so he said, well, I know you can. I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm sure you can do this another way. And the Bible says that God goes into a negotiating strategy with Abraham all the way down to the number 10. One scholar suggested that if Abraham would have kept going down to one, that God would have said, okay, I'll save the city for one. Next example, Moses, the golden calf. You remember that? God's people, while Moses is up there talking to God as father. Amen? Amen. This is what happens when you got a father relationship with God. You can stand in his presence and not die. There, there's just a hookup that comes from a paternal relationship with God that you don't get when you see him as father. Moses got away with stuff that most of us would die with. Moses is standing in the presence of God. The Bible says he sees his back and he doesn't even die. He had a connection with him. And I'm, I'm going to illustrate how. The Bible says they're worshiping a golden calf. In those days, it was more than just dancing around a piece of metal. What they were doing is they were having sexual orgy around this, around this, this, this idol, and they were worshiping it as if it were God. 
it was confusion on a whole nother level. And then when Moses came down, y'all know what Moses did, right? Moses was so upset that he took the Ten Commandments and he threw them down and smashed them to pieces. God said, come back on up here, Moses. And God said to Moses, I'm going to kill every last one of them. Did they die? No, they didn't. I wonder how is it that they didn't die? Because huh, Moses said, no, you're not. No, you're not. He says, I'd rather you kill me than kill them. <laughs> Don't do it, Father. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy, he said with fasting and with praying and with pleading. And the Bible says, just like it said in Genesis, when God was going to destroy the earth, it says that God changed his mind. Because Moses got in his face. Can I give you some more examples? Jacob is wrestling with God. He stole something from his brother for his whole life. He's been running from that thing. And now he is caught in between a rock and a hard place. Jacob is waiting. I mean, Esau is waiting to kill him. He's got 4,000 soldiers waiting to kill him. His family is behind him. And so what does Jacob do? Jacob has a relationship with his father. And so Jacob says, I know I'm jacked up. I know I'm wrong, but I'm just going to see if God will give the brother a hookup anyway. And the Bible says that in between Esau about to kill him and his family on the other side, not knowing what's coming his way, that Jacob gets on his knees, cries out to God, and then God comes down personally. It was not an angel. If you look at the Hebrew word carefully and read a little bit of the prophet, uh, prophet of the Remnant Church, she will tell you that Christ himself was sent by his father to get into a wrestling match with Jacob. And while he's wrestling with Jacob, the Bible says that Jacob's intensity and the strength of his situation had gotten so desperate. The Bible says that even Jesus could not overpower him. And the Bible says that he says that he had to put on something on him. And the Bible says that he touched his, he touched him right in his thigh and weakened him just to let him know how powerful he was. And you would think that Jacob would have given up at that point. But no, watch this. Here it is. Here it is. What did Jacob say? He says, I don't care what you're doing. I'm not going to let you go. Until how can you? I was taught that you don't talk to God any old kind of way. Somebody told me that you just that you have to you who that's God. You you better recognize how you come to Him. And what we are doing is is we are transferring our human relationships and how we deal with each other on God, and that's not how God is. Jacob basically got in God's face with a weak hip and said, "God, I don't care what you can kill me, but I'm gonna die with you in my arms." Another example that we give to you is Joshua. I'm almost done. Joshua. Second part will be in the second service. Joshua is too much to preach. Joshua is in the middle of a battle. The sun is going down. Now, if the, let me ask you a question. If the sun's going down, who told the sun to go down? No, I'm sorry. If the sun, if the sun is not going down by itself, who, who orders the universe? Y'all not listening to me. Come on, talk to your boy. If the sun is going down, I know you're with me. If it's going down, then who told it to go down? God did, right? Matter of fact, you know, he only told it to go down once. And he did that in Genesis. And just because he said it once, it has to keep doing what he told it to do. And so God says, go down, right? Is it going down? Is it going down? Did God tell it to go down? So why would Joshua, what has gotten into Joshua to ask God to go back on what he said? Then Joshua, in the heat of the battle, sees that the army is losing. Joshua pauses and says, you know what? God, I need you to reverse what you said and cause the sun to stand still. And you know what the Bible says? That after a ridiculous prayer like that, that God caused time to stop so that his servant could finish what he was doing. I don't think you're getting it yet. Can I give you another example? Hezekiah. Mm-hmm. 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 Second Kings 20, right? Hezekiah. What's Hezekiah? Hezekiah has, has not been a good king. Oh, yeah, politically he was, but spiritually he wasn't. Babylonians come in to see all that Hezekiah has, and what happens? Hezekiah shows them all of his stuff. 
Hezekiah doesn't say, look at what the Lord has done for me. Hezekiah doesn't say, God has been good to me. You can, you can get caught up in this stuff all you want, but I know where my blessing comes from. Hezekiah didn't do that. He got caught in that moment where all of us get caught every now and then, where we kind of start smelling ourselves, right? And so when he came in, Hezekiah was like, oh, look at here. Look at the drapes and, and look, at the, look at the golden floors and, and look at the golden objects and look at all this other stuff. The Bible says God sent the prophet Isaiah to, to, to Hezekiah and said, Hezekiah, he said, you're going to die. That was the word of the Lord. God said to him, see, my faith was, is so weak. And this is why God has to take me through this series. My faith is so weak that if God said you're going to die, I'd be like, oh, well. That's right. It's over for me. See, many of you give up and God ain't even said nothing. Some of us give up and God ain't spoken no word. And many of us brag about living like that. I got to see something first. Watch this. The Bible says, Hezekiah, here's God say, you're dead. The Bible says, Hezekiah, pastor, you preach this. He said, he turned his face towards the wall. I heard what you said. But I'm asking you to spare my life. On what authority? I hear the devil talk. Oh, who, who do you think you are to make such a request? You sinned. You deserve, God told you you're going to die. You can't change God's mind. Father, I'm asking you right now that you will look past my faults and see my need. God, give me my life back. The Bible says, Lord changed his mind. Lord says, I give you 15 more years. I'm having a hard time with this thing. Sister Goldsmith, I was not taught this. I was taught be timid with God. I, I was taught to come before him with, with such awe and, 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 and with such that I, that, I, that I don't even really ask for what I really want. I was taught that when I pray, because, and let's be honest, because we're really scared. That God is going to disappoint us and not answer our prayer. You know what we do? We pray these powerful prayers. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want you to heal their body. I want you to save that child, if it be your will. I don't see Bible characters doing that. What I see Bible characters do is literally walking up in the face of God and saying to God, God, I heard what you said, but God, I'm pleading simply on who you are as father. See, they had no word to go on, so the only thing they could go on was relationship. This is, this is why many of us are not getting the breakthroughs that we need in our lives because we don't know God. I'm telling you, I looked through all these examples. Ah, we just looked at Hezekiah. Can I give you one more? Paul. Paul. What Paul do? In 2 Corinthians 12, the Bible says, Paul said, watch this, and this is the point I'm saying. There's no such thing as unanswered prayer. Paul said, take this thorn. Didn't he? Take it. Now, here's the assumption. If he had it, no matter how he got it, it was God's will, either his providential, his sovereign, or whatever. Plan B, C, whatever. If God wanted to take it, he could have. So what did Paul do? I'm just trying to show you. Paul did not sit back and say, oh, all right, I got the thorn, oh, well. I don't have any money, oh, well. Oh, my marriage is going to fall, oh, well. Paul said, I begged him three times to take it from me. And I know what you're thinking. You're saying, but God didn't take the thorn. But guess what? This is what, the, this is what a father knows how to do. A father always knows how to give you more than what you ask for. Amen. Amen. That's why it doesn't Amen. make Listen, this is why you are to pray real. You have to get in the next service. And I'm sorry, I know, I promised I wasn't going to do that, but it's so much. But watch this now. This is why you got to pray honest. Amen. Amen. You pray honest because if you're not real, you'll never know if your prayer got answered. Amen. Watch this. If you pray vague prayers, like God just bless me. Oh, wow. Or just have your way. <laughs> you know, 
Have your way in my life. How do you know that he had, had his way in your life if you did not give him a direct request? Remember now, going back to what we learned earlier in the first statement of Ellen White, we don't pray because it does anything to God. The reason why God wants us to persist in prayer and to be specific in prayer and to be relational in our prayer is because God is trying to do something inside of us. Prayer is not for God. Prayer is for us. Yeah. And so watch what Paul says. He said three times. He said, three times I asked you, take this away. And the father said, no, I got something better for you. He said, keep the thorn. He said, but I'm going to give you grace sufficient for your journey. So some of you are saying God said no. God didn't say no. God said yes. But he gave him the yes that he really needed. He gave him the yes of grace. And the grace was greater than the thorn. And that's what God does. Let me give you an example of this. When I was a kid, I would always... Go ask my mom for stuff first. And when it didn't go through, the reason why I did that is because generally if I asked my dad, my dad would say, go, come on in here. Go ask your mother. You know, that I'm doing that right now. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm playing that game right now. Go ask your mother, right? Don't worry, I'm, I'm going I'm to, let me see. Oh, yeah. Five minutes to wrap this thing up. So, 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 so I would go to mom. It was strategy. You got to listen. And some of y'all, y'all think y'all, y'all the best parents in the world. But every, every, everybody's kids has worked you at some time or another. Come on. Come on in here, somebody. Listen, I don't care. I don't care. I, I, ain't nothing get past me. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, listen, boy. Everybody's kids has worked them over at some point or another. Amen. So, so, you know, I would go to, we would go to mom first. And mom would say no. And then she would say, well, just ask your father. And so it would be stupid stuff like. Can we have M&M's in our milk for breakfast? No, I'm dead serious. You know, I'm, I'm a kid. I'm in seven, eight years old. Can I have M&M's and Jello for breakfast? My mom was like, what? Get, get up. Go ask your father. Hoping that by sending me to her father, my father would be just as like, are you for real? You came and asked me that? You know what I'm saying? Some of us wouldn't even go there. But as a kid, kids always ask for dumb stuff. Always ask for dumb stuff. Can I have a pony? We, we don't have... We, we, live on the, we live on the fifth floor. How you, I can't give you no pony. Amen? Yeah, well, kids are always asking for dumb stuff. We ask for dumb stuff. But guess what? When a kid never stops asking for dumb stuff until they get too old to real, until they get so old that they realize it's dumb. And so then they get to a point where they don't ask for anything at all, or if they do, they put the tagline on there, which really says, "I don't really believe that I'm worthy to get it." So if it be thy will, slide on out of that thing. I don't want God to disappoint me. I really want to be healed, but I don't think he's going to heal me because I ain't really been a good boy. I ain't really been a good girl. I talk a good game, but I don't really think that God wants to bless me. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I asked for M&M's. No, I wasn't M&M's. I liked peanut butter Reese's Pieces. Can I put peanut butter Reese's Pieces in my milk and have that for cereal? You, that's, that's good eating right there. What you talking about? It ain't, it'll kill you, but it tastes good. Some of y'all eat stuff every day that'll kill that's you. Right. That tastes good. Some of y'all make candy yams, and they got so much sugar in it. It's candy. Amen. It's more candy than yams. So don't laugh at me, because I want to, come on in here, somebody. So let me tell you, well, you know what my father would do? This is what my father would say. See, because I asked, if I had not asked, my father wouldn't have done what he's about to do. So you know what my father would do? And y'all forgive me, because this was in the days when we weren't vegetarians, okay? So, and we're still struggling now, but we're getting there. So, 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 so this is what my dad would do. My dad would say, nah, you don't, you don't want that. You don't want, you don't want milk. Listen, I got something better for you. He picked me up, put me in his arms. He said, come on here, I'm going to make my, my dad was the one that made breakfast. So my dad would go in there and he'd get the grits out. Huh? Take them grits out and a little milk. 
little butter, white cheddar. And he worked that thing. Huh? To the creamy, not gritty. You couldn't even tell. You would think it was just one, 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 one thing was just creamy. And then he would, he would go in, into the freezer because he had already had it there. <coughs> and he would take out flounder. White bass. This is breakfast. I want, listen, I wanted milk and Reese's Pieces. God said, my father said, he said, you don't want this. He'd take out there and he'd let it, and he, and he'd let it sit in there and, and had been sitting in seasonings already. And so then he, he takes out cornmeal that he made himself. He doesn't buy the pack. He takes the cornmeal and I see pepper and paprika and, and, and Lowry's and, uh, and I, see, I see a little cayenne, huh? And I see a little garlic and I, and I see my father. I love, I, I will never forget this image of my father. My father is in there. He's got a towel on his shoulder. He's got music turned up and my father is moving and cooking and moving and cooking. And sometimes he'll pause and put the phone. I, I, I remember the image. I, he put the phone on, on, on his shoulder and he, he'd be talking on the phone and he's, and he's frying fish and he's making grits. And, and this is, our, I don't know what y'all did, but, but, but they, that he would make greens too to this day on Sundays I cook the same thing for my mama I mean for my children because that's what my daddy cooked for me and so I the grits and and and, and then there, there was fried fish and and then there there there, there was fruit and and then there was greens and 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 he said this he said this is what you really want I hear you I hear you if I hadn't asked we have not because we ask not. I would have been sitting down with nothing but cornflakes to eat because that's what my mama wanted to give me. But when I went to my daddy, my daddy said, I want to bless you. My father found pleasure in blessing me. He found, he found joy in giving me more than I asked for. And this is why. See, y'all missed it. Y'all missed it? This is why when he said, Lord, teach us to pray, he said, what's the secret? He says, it comes in the first word, our father. See, you think the Lord's prayer is something you're supposed to repeat. That's why you memorized it. But that's not why God gave the Lord's prayer. He gave the Lord's prayer on three different occasions, and he quoted it differently simply to show us that the Lord's prayer is not prescriptive it's descriptive the point of the lord's prayer is that if you want prayers answered then you address your father and you address him in such a way that you know that your father wants to bless you exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ever ask or think So let me end this by reading this text. Verse 9 says, so I say to you, ask. You have not. Pope pitiful life is that way because you won't ask. You're scared. Can I give an example? Even David. This blows my mind. And I'll, I'll make it more clear. God wants us to get to a place. Now, I can only say it now, so it's going to sound like blasphemy to you because you, you didn't hear the, the next part that I'm going to give later. But God wants us to ask him for everything, even forbidden things. Can I give you an example? In other words, God is basically saying, if you're going to pray, pray to me. And don't hide nothing. Ask for everything. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're married, right? And you want another man's wife. I got a suggestion. Ask God. Go to God. Say, God, you know what? I want this man's wife. Guess what? God will tell you, you fool. But see, most of the time, when we want somebody else's wife, we'll never go to God. 
even in forbidden things. And see, you need a text now, right? So I want you to look at, um, there, there are several verses, several chapters in Psalms, but give an example. Uh, David's enemies were bothering him. Mm-hmm. And so, but David had this relationship. See, we think prayer is formula. That's what I'm saying. We think the Lord's prayer is a formula. Oh, if I pray this, praise first, ask for his will. The ABCs of prayer, ask, believe, confess. What's the formula? See, the formulas are for people who don't have relationship. When I got married, they told me, be an active listener in counseling. So they said, when your wife talks, then you say, okay, did I hear that you said such and such? Okay, go ahead and continue. Then she continued, and you, that's the formula, right? But how many know when you're in marriage for real, that stuff don't, it don't quite work like that? Ain't no, for, ain't no formula in that, in that thing. Come on in. When y'all get to hollering at each other, come on in here, somebody. And, and, and you get to stay in another bedroom, come on in here, somebody. That formula stuff don't work. The only thing that will draw you back together is relationship. So, so understand why your boy David would take everything. You, you sing this. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pains we bear. All because we do not carry even sin and forbidden stuff. God says, I'd rather you talk to me about it than yourself. So what did David do? David said, they're bothering me. They're bothering me. He said, God, kill them. I believe it's Psalm 69, Psalms 89, one of, that, one of those. He says, listen, he says, kill them. Somebody, somebody find it, do let me know later. But listen, see, he said, he, listen, stay right here for a minute, because I'm about to close. Find it, tell me later. So, uh, so I can get it right in the next service. So you know what God said? You know what God would say? God would be like, some of y'all looking for it right now. I got to find it. Right. Don't worry about that. Get this point right here. David said, he said, let their mother's wombs be their sepulchers. Now, he ain't talking to the devil. Your boy David is getting carnal with God. He's saying, God, kill them. Kill them. Kill them all. Kill their mamas. He said, kill their children. Kill them all. That's right. Why did he do that? Because when you have a real relationship with your father, you can talk to him about anything. Last text. Right back to the verse. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Back down to verse 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a piece of perch, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an omelet, will give him a scorpion. If then, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit? Did you just catch what happened there? They asked for fish. And eggs. And you know what God gave them? The Holy Spirit. Did you just catch what happened there? And I'm going to illustrate this in the next service. When you ask God, God always exceeds your expectations. <laughs> Ellen White says, when we ask for the Holy Ghost, she says that the when the Holy Ghost comes, every blessing we need comes with the, all he asked was for fish and eggs. And God gave him everything. Amen. 
you don't have anything because you don't ask. You have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. You're scared. You don't want to be disappointed. You don't think he's going to bless you. You don't think he wants to bless you. But a father, a real father, the father, he is literally standing here right now saying, ask. Humor me. With your limited thinking, ask me. Ask me. Next week, I'm going to tell you what to do once you've asked. Ask me. No limits. No boundaries. No rules. Ask. Father, we want to be effective in prayer. We want to be able to cause the sun to stand still and for you to change your mind. We want that kind of power in prayer. But Father, it all begins with our paternal relationship with you. The truth of the matter is, you're just not fair. You don't have to be fair because you're God. And whatever you do is right. You don't have to be fair. You're God. Whatever you do is right. And the truth is, you bless some folk and others you don't because they have a relationship with you. And the folk that see you and relate to you as father get what everybody else doesn't. What we need more than anything is to cultivate our relationship, our view of our father. Right now, I just want to make an appeal this morning. Is there anyone who needs confidence in your prayer life? A deeper relationship with your father? I want to invite you to stand right now. I want to invite you to stand. No, listen now. You want to be on a mission to take your prayer life to another level. Hear me now. Many of us are only getting pittance blessings from God because that's all we ask for. We've got to get to a place where our relationship with God is explosively amazing because we're now in relationship with him. Is there somebody who wants a fresh start with Jesus through relationship by baptism, joining the church, surrendering your life to him? I want to invite you to come at this time. Just come. Come. You're saying, Pastor, I want that thing. Well, guess what? You got to start with him somewhere. Is there someone that needs to come right now? Surrender your life to Jesus. Let's come. Say, Pastor, I need that. I, I, I can't even fathom what having a relationship with a father is like because I never had one. I don't even know what it's like to have somebody like that, that is strong and powerful yet meek and merciful, that has unlimited authority, but yet at the same time, gives us the ability to get to ask unlimited prayers and requests is there somebody that needs to come to jesus right now you're coming right now even now god's calling you simply just say pastor you're talking to me spirit of god is speaking to me right now right now it's the lord calling you even while i'm praying the Lord might just have you to slip out of your seat and come. Father, right now. Father, right now. <laughs> Father. Father. We want that kind of powerful relationship with you like Jesus had. The evidence of Jesus' life, the power in which he lived, was not because he was God. It was because of his relationship with his father. Many of us do not resemble Christ in our lives with his power, his anointing, the favor that he had with both God and man because we do not have the kind of real relationship with a father that is necessary to have the life of Christ in us. Father, we need to establish that relationship right now. Many of us have a relationship with the church, but we don't have a relationship with our father. Father, give us that relationship. And because we live in a society 
where it is subconsciously put in our minds that if you want the blessing, go to your mama. Almost makes us see the similarities as why so many of us have a church relationship. The woman is the church, but we lack the father relationship with God. And that's where the power is. Father, many of us have joined the church and we've been committed to the church, but we've never been committed to our father. God, help us. Free us from the clutches of church and make us connected to our father. Oh, Jesus. Is our prayer in his name. Amen. Who says amen to God's word? Praise God. I want to invite the deacons to come forward to collect our tithes and offerings.